Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 566 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm doing well, Todd. Looking forward to talking about comic book stuff, comic book things going on in the world of comic books. It's wow. a nice change of pace from the other worlds that I have my toes in. Oh, I'm surprised you didn't have them bitten off already. Uh, any day now, any day now. Oh, you got, you'll have your bloat foot leaking out of your big toe, Joe. You know, we talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other day I was walking around the house and my knees started feeling a little bit funny from all these oh. weather changes we've been having. Right. And I'm like, oh boy, this is like signal one before we get to like signal three or four of uh, bloat foot. So. Right. Some bloatification, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I took the uh, normal precautions and uh, we're looking to make some uh, heavy duty life changes here. All right. Crack your ankle. That'll help. If I could, I would. Ah, well, that happens, you know. So, what do we got on the show today, Todd? In news, what uh, Bendis is up to with his creator-owned stuff. What iconic book from DC, no, 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 not Inferior 5 now, is finally being finished in trade paperback. Um, Can't have Stan Lee at your con now that he's gone to the great hereafter? Well, here's the next best thing, Joe. Um, and Marvel bringing back a, a most recently controversial villain slash antihero and the creators behind it. Um, conventions, digital sales, what we read last week, which was both Superman's Son of Kal-El, number one. We both read that. And Fanta- Fantastic Four, number 34. Um, what we're looking forward to this week. Todd and Joe have issues with both Jonah Hex and <clears throat> the Clone Saga. Excuse me. I get verklempt every time I say it. Um, as of right now, there's no art attack, but that could change from moment to moment. And no TV talk or uh, movie talk again again this week, Joe? Right, What's up right. Uh, we decided to take the two weeks off with uh, the break that Legends of Tomorrow was taking uh, as – Next week, we'll have Suicide Squad, Legend of Tomorrow, and possibly Stargirl comes out next week. Uh, I believe so. Right. So I didn't want to use those two weeks to, like, let's start something new. You know, like, let's watch all of Sweet Tooth in two weeks and talk about it here, you know? (laughs) Right. Have Joe go back and finish any of the Marvel Netflix shows. (laughs) Hey, I I started uh, Invincible. I watched the first episode and a third of the next Wow, you go getter, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Just the way life goes, you know. Right. All right. So uh, we've talked about this before. We talked about it last week uh, when it was officially announced that all of uh, Kurt Busick's uh, creator-owned stuff was taken off of the uh, uh, digital platforms and then put up recently rebranded through image and what had prompted this was that a bunch of bendis's stuff which had been an image and then was over at marvel under icon and then over at dc under whatever creator owned stuff that he was doing there right um now it does look as though everything is back under one umbrella mm-hmm. 
Um, but it has not been decided of who the publisher of these are going to be. Right. But it looks like Bendis has he's going to have everything under one roof, which is interesting to get. Like it's 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 one thing when like you have image or cross gen or publishers that don't exist anymore, like Busick did with a lot of his stuff. Right. But Busick never did any creator own stuff at Marvel. Not that I can think of. Right. And the fact that Bendis did creator's own stuff at, you know, on his own, took it to Image, took it to Marvel, did new creator own stuff at Marvel, did took some of that same stuff that he took to Marvel over to DC and then is now getting everything all back. What is he trying to do? Get like his stuff published by the top 10 comic companies of all time or what? <laughs> <laughs> taking it on the road, Joe. He's just got to get Valiant, and he's ready to go. Well, I'll say this. You, you know, you make the joke. I would be interested... I'd be interested to see if, you know, with the catalog that he has and the prestige that he has behind his name, um, would it be something that he goes and self-publishes? Could he even do that? Could he, instead of taking these to, like, a comic book company, could he take all of these to, like, a book publisher? Or any, or just hire somebody to do it for him. You know what I right. mean? Like, because yeah, he did well, self-publishing for years, and you know, he, I think he even like talked about it in like his 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 books and stuff like that, his stories and stuff, like how how crazy it is. You know, trying to get all that work done. I'm I'm gonna say he's. Pro- I'm not. I never count anybody's money. That's one of my top rules. But he, I have a feeling he did okay, you know, at Marvel and then got his creator-owned or his uh, his uh, exclusive contract at DC or whatever. And now he's, he's gone off doing that. Uh, if he wants to, I think he could put, like, a little group together and be like, all right, I'm going to write and do stuff. Your job is to get it out there, promote it, and get it published or whatever. I see him going that route, getting – just hiring somebody. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like, I could see it being out of the world of comic books, you know? Right. Yeah. So good for him. Glad he got all of his stuff together and is, uh, you know, able to make the money that he needs to with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Hopefully some streaming service will buy up all the properties. Absolutely. So you'd also mentioned uh, about DC finally finishing the collection of something. And when I first clicked on this, I assumed that this was going to be like missing pieces from the original run of Hellblazer, which would happen from time to time when uh, DC would collect something. Specifically, I'm looking at you like Starman and Hitman and stuff like that. Right. Where we'd, it's like, all right, this collection has issues 13 to 17, and 19 and 20. It's like, why mm-hmm. is an 18 in there? Well, we're going to put 18 in a different book. And then 18 comes out in a different book. But then there's like something else that's missing along the way. It's like, well, it doesn't, you know, it, it's one of those one-shot deals that we wanted to all collect in this one book of these one-shots because they're all somewhat thematic. And then another one came out before we went to press. And, well, unfortunately, it's just in the ether now until we do a new set of collections, re-putting everything together. But as I ramble, ramble on about this, it's DC finally getting around to finishing the collections of Hellblazer under Vertigo. Right, all the way up to 300. Yeah, which is crazy to me. Because it stopped being like a Vertigo in-name book like 10 years ago. 
uh, New 52, whatever New yeah, 52 Yeah, which was. is 10 years ago. Is that really 10 years ago? I thought it was eight, but anyway. Because that's <laughs> such again, a big difference. I've, I've, well, again, I've, I've told the story before for sure. Um, but, you know, it was September of 2011 because it was right before my kid was born. Right, right. It was the end of Jonah Hex into All-Star Western. So yeah, yeah. we've discussed this, yes. So I will say this. I'm looking at this here. It didn't. So, you know, 2011, it looks as though, and I say looks as though, um, it actually ran to um, early 2013, let's say. Right. But even still, eight years to finish, you know, a collection of something. And it's not like Jonah Hex it, or Jonah Hex. Uh, John Constantine Hellblazer isn't a popular character that he has i think at that time has been featured in at least two or three tv shows see but i'm thinking i agree with you that it's taken a long time to get around to trade but i believe what had happened was that they had traded like a good part of it and they were getting around to it but they went back and did what you said was they were like make sure we have all our ducks in a row we want all 300 issues in the right order and they went back and put out new printings with new trade dress of the old collections, you know what I mean? And then, like, so there were some bigger ones, obviously, like, you have Dangerous Habits with Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon, where it'd be like, oh, here's some thicker ones and stuff. So they had to all work it out, and then once they did all of those, it's like, we're going to get caught up to 300. It took way too long, I agree. But uh, I read every single issue of that run, so I'm glad they finally got around to trade it. And I'm pr- I'm probably there'll be no mistakes in any of those uh, trade paperbacks either. For sure. And again, you read the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there were a lot of people that also attempted to read the entire thing and probably got on during the trades mm-hmm. and then had to wait eight years for the last two trades to come out. Not the worst track record at DC when it comes to reprinting books in a trade. but Oh, sure. There's, there's, there's several books that just never got them. Right. Well, Rebels. We're still waiting on a Rebels trade, right? That last re- Rebels trade. Correct. Yep. And again, that was, uh, you know, that's another thing that we talked about. That's the thing that made me actually, for the first time, uh, do some digital comic books, you know? Really? Wow. So because now I we... was I was getting it in, you know, I was I missed out on it. And I didn't want to pay, like, at the time, exorbitant prices or just yep. difficult to find because it was a low print run. And I was really enjoying it. And the last trade got solicited. And then it just never came out. Especially when that uh, first appearance of Genesis from Preacher appeared in Hellblazer for a hot minute. And then it was like, no, 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 that's not the first appearance of Genesis. Because if I say that, DC owns it. (laughs) So it's just something that looks like Genesis. Mm -hmm. It's it's Genesis with the serial numbers filed off, as you say. It's lowercase Genesis. It's not the video game system. Right. It's not the Phil Collins band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Genesis. So speaking of things with the serial numbers filed <laughs> off, Todd. Yes. Uh, if you head to uh, the Sci-Fi Pop Fest at the Lake County Fairgrounds in Eustis, Florida this November, mm-hmm. you will have an opportunity... <laughs> There's that word. Uh, to get your picture taken with a Stan Lee lookalike. Dan Lee, right? Dan Dan the Man Lee. 
oh. or the amazing Dan Lee, uh, depending on what sort of uh, propaganda you uh, you know see of him being advertised, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this is a new level. <laughs> Height or low, Joe? Uh, well, that's for you to decide. Um, right. So, um. Now again, we we on the show have joked about Todd and I going out to conventions <laughs> as the guy who uh, wants to buy Navy Seals uh, from Clerks in a uh, Gallagher Gallagher Two esque way. Right, but we have um, to worry if they use him in Clerks Three, Joe. Right, then we're sunk. Right. Yeah, that's the that's the 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 the, the linchpin. But go ahead. Now there's a so. There's one thing of it being cosplay, right? You know? Right. Like, as I look at the, uh, whatchamacallits, uh, look at that site that I mentioned, and you've got a guy who's doing, you know, uh, you got a guy who's doing Batman, of course, people dress up as Batman. Like, cosplayers do a thing, but this just feels a little dirty. I completely disagree. Okay, because oh, go ahead. I'm just gonna say it's one thing to cosplay as like a comic book character, but it's another thing to cosplay as the person who creates the comics. But what happens when you cosplay Han Solo, Joe? That's a comic book character. Like, there's a difference no, that, between cos. There's a difference between cosplaying Han Solo and cosplaying Harrison Ford. No different. Now, what you're missing out is, on is big opportunities. There's that word again, Joe. Just come on. You get somebody who looks like Jack Kirby, a la Jock Kirby, and you do the twofer. Oh my God. Then you like, like, who doesn't want to get their picture taken with the two guys who started Marvel? Just, it's a license to print money, Joe. Jock Kirby and Dan Lee, I'm all in. So, uh, looking at his website, um, I recently discovered that I resemble Stan Lee and want <laughs> to continue to bring his presence to as many Megacons and Comic-Cons as I can. It was at the Orlando Megacon that I was able to see how looking like him brought tears and oh. hugs, even though they knew I wasn't him. He's I'm bringing ho- joy. Hey, oh. <laughs> I want to see you bring... I want to see Dan the Man Lee bring you joy. That's right. I want to enjoy... You want to enjoy me enjoying Dan Lee? That's what it is. <laughs> yep. uh, I'm hoping to bring together as many Stan Lee fans as possible <laughs> to wherever I find myself attending. It's only been a short while since I realized that Stan meant this to his fans. Mm-hmm. So give me some time to get things together and let know where I'll be. And again, I'm not, this is reading verbatim from his very uh, professionally made website with tons of spelling errors and grammatical mistakes. Right. Uh, I can't be Stan Lee, but I could bring a touch of him to cosplay. <laughs> the The man was a complete genius and how cool is that to at least look like him? Now, I'll even go you one better with all of this, Todd. Yeah. I don't even think he looks that much like Stan Lee. What? I think they're going to start using him as cameos in Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. 
That would be fantastic. Listen, get, give the guy credit. He's he's found a new angle, man. Come on. Now, what I want to know is what he was doing before this. Yeah, because like he said, I just found out I look like Stan Lee. Hey, is that a mirror? Oh my god! Like, like what? Like how? Like, come on! Stan Lee has a very specific and distinct look, right? right? This would be like me dropping two hundred pounds, wearing a black pantsuit with high heels, dyeing my hair white, and putting on aviator sunglasses, and saying. Hey, I just discovered I look like a very famous comic book creator who I'm not going to name. Oh, I, I don't know. I just I think there's lots of there's lots of opportunities here. Um, I'm not going to say it, but uh, yeah, I just I have I have no problem with this because one, if he does it for free, who's he harming? Two, if he does it for money and he takes you, that's on you, not on Daniel. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just saying it feels a little dirty as all. I hope he starts signing old Marvel comics. I, I really, and I hope they get signature series CGC'd. It's like that says that's the, that's legitimately Dan Lee's signature. You, you don't just have to worry. See, you just want to see dozens and dozens of rubes get taken for a ride. <laughs> Listen. I, I'm fine with it. And, and and Joe, and like we've said about, like, you know, people made fun of, you know, attention deficit criminals. Like, hey, if they enjoyed it, sure, they put them through 17 tables. But if they enjoyed it, who who are you to begrudge them that? It just kind of puts a damper on us being the, the Navy SEALs guy at conventions, you know? I agree. And I like the fact that Dan Lee is the... ECW of cosplayers, so I let yeah. that one slide. What? All right. Last but not least, uh, there has been rumors and innuendo, and this is the show where we discuss rumor and innuendo mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to things like this. So it appears as though uh, Jason Aaron's next book in the pipeline, at Marvel at least, is going to be the Return of the Punisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, rumors of uh, Jesus Sayas and Paul Azateca being on the book with him. And sadly, The Punisher is a book um, that has been kind of out of circulation for the better part of the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, he's popped up here and there and a couple things, but his iconography and a lot of the stuff associated with The Punisher has been kind of taken, uh, you know, Take it into some, you know, what could be argued as fascist groups or maybe people not really understanding what the Punisher is, where the Punisher is very simply a, a, a war veteran who lost his family and fights a never ending battle with crime. But there are some more nuances to it than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a lot of the people that have kind of taken on the iconography and so forth are just people like skulls look cool, you know? Yep, they're the equivalent of chains. Um, yeah, I don't know because, like, obviously, with the Punisher, the Punisher slid down that scale of he was a villain into slightly an anti-hero, and then in mm-hmm. some people's minds, 
like a hero. Like he's the second most misunderstood comic character since Roshark. Um, but uh, I don't know. I look at it as like, oh, does he need to be changed? Does he need all this? Like, do do we need to change the White Album because Manson like hijacked it? Like, I, the idiots are gonna idiot no matter what you do. So you might as well just do your comic book character and be like, it's not ignorance or irresponsibility. Like they're going to, they're going to run with it. So you might as well just do your own thing. Do, yeah. do you know what I kind of mean? I do. Um, but I, I got to hand it to Marvel for at least not putting something out ahead of it while stuff was going on. That I, I, I agree. Air I mean, back a little bit, you know? Right, don't pour gas when there's an actual roaring fire. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll just be very interesting. Uh, you know, we've talked many a times before here on the show. Uh, Jason Aaron has written The Punisher before. He did a Max series around the same time that he was writing Wolverine, <laughs> and the Max book started to get later and later and later. And he mentioned in the letters column of the Punisher, I think it was called Punisher Warzone. It was supposed to be out around the time of the Lexi Alexander movie, mm-hmm. which is really good um, in like one of those like schlocky bad action movie sort of ways. Right. Um, and then the book ended up being late and late and late and late. And he mentions in the uh, letters column that Marvel essentially said to him, it's like this Wolverine book sells this much. This Punisher mm. book sells less than that. So we want you to get the book that sells a lot out first and then worry about the book that doesn't sell as much. Right. So you like that second Punisher better than the Thomas Jane Punisher that actually has Russian Super Shredder or Super Shredder? Now, granted, uh, any movie that has Kevin Nash in it automatically gets four and a half stars. Right. But there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stars subtracted because the rest of the movie's not great. Right, right. So how many stars if it was Punisher in the Tokyo Dome? Oh, it'd be seven stars. That's what I figured. So lastly, of course, uh, I guess news adjacent, uh, you know, doing my best to be more on top of conventions and so forth (laughs) because conventions are back. Uh, This weekend in Flint, Michigan, uh, is the really cool con. Right. On the comic side of guests uh no dan the man lee sadly oh no uh but william messler william messner lobes is going to be there right and uh you know he's a comic book legend i would say right yeah and uh also you know outside of your various and sundry cosplay folks again like i said no one attempting to pass themselves off as actual humans that exist um but uh, the Brooklyn Brawler is going to be there. Uh, World Wrestling Entertainment uh, former superstar Steve Lombardi. And uh, Bob Remus, a.k.a. Sergeant Slaughter, is going to be there as well. Uh, definitely someone who has not stolen valor uh, as a fake army man. What? And last but not least, Corin Nemec is going to be there from Parker Lewis Can't Lose. That's right. And, uh, I'm trying to think beer. And he was in the music video, uh, uh, beer, whiskey for my men, beer for my horses, which is a classic, you know, video. I know you I, know it. I, I don't know what that is. 
No, it's an actual thing. But uh, just a little, a couple of things on Mesner Lobes. Uh, go see Mesner Lobes and give him some money. He lost his arm a while back from I can't I can't remember what it was from from an uh, from an ailment, and he's working hard. So I always say, go go give him. You know what I mean? Give him some love. I liked him on a uh, Flash before Mark Wade took over. Um, so that's always good. And if you're going to this con, bring your own bottle of water. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Are you saying that the water in Flint, Michigan is poison, Todd? Is that what you're insinuating? <laughs> no, no, but I wish the Brooklyn Brawler the best. I don't. I don't know. Is he, I don't know. Is he a jerk? I, but. Uh, I'll just say I've never met the man personally. I've heard more bad stories than good stories. Uh, well, anybody who wears a New York Yankee outfit should be, you know, a jerk. But anyway. He did beat up the actual Red Rooster, not... Uh, Terry Funk, as you like to say, but he did beat up the actual Red Rooster as actual part of a professional. No, yeah. Terry Taylor, a different guy. I think you're messing, mixing things up in wrestling, which is your go-to move, Joe. Terry Taylor is a Red Rooster. Terry Funk has a sick horse. That's how you tell the two apart. No, Ter- Terry Taylor is a Red Rooster. Terry Funk is the Red Rooster. Oh, no, no, he's not. But mm-hmm. uh, you can hear more of this sort of scintillating wrestling talk <laughs> on one of the many shows on soon to be named network, soon to be named network.com, <laughs> soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Listen, I'm just following the lines in the script, Todd. I'm sorry. No problem. Where anytime any of these shows go live, uh, you know, this show that you're listening to, Long Bucks Heroes After Dark, uh, At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Puzzle Warriors 3. Profane arguments, wings on wings, and porch talk. Uh, I think hit my music is has a scheduled debut for September. Uh, more on that as that becomes available. And uh, anytime any of the folks from these shows appear on other shows, you can find them all over at soon to be named network dot com as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, go check out our friend Kevin's website, Masked Library, where he, uh, you know, we talked about it last week. He'll go to places like Five Below or thrift stores or whatever it is, uh, try to dig up whatever sort of comic book finds that he can get. He reads some older stuff that he finds there. He recently did a review of uh, Cullen Bunn's Fearless Defenders, which I remember liking very much at the time. But, you know, if you're just reading it today, it's new to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, check out Rick Williams' The Chop Shop at freekaratechops.storeenvy.com. Uh, with all the cool resin and glow-in-the-dark uh, sci-fi fantasy wrestling stuff that he does. Uh, friends of the show, longtime listeners of the show, Jason Sandberg and Chris Runt, both have self-published uh, through Kickstarter and various means comic books, respectively Jupiter and Battle Monsters. Both of those are available on Comixology. The links to those are in the show notes. Uh, and also check out our comic book store, Comics on the Green. Uh, sadly, making the decision, and I say the wise decision, not to do a full-blown free comic book day um, mm-hmm. this year, which is uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. Uh, definitely check to see if your store is doing something. I know a lot of stores, even if you are a subscriber there, might be able to help you out on a book or two from the free comic book day. Don't be greedy. Don't be stingy. Um, but if you don't have a comic book store in your area or a good comic book store in your area, go check out the folks at Comics on the Green. They do a bang-up subscription, in-person, mail order, pull list, however you want to call it. They do it all. Go check them out. 
And you might even get a sketch from our good friend Becky. Uh, check out her social media, Instagram, Twitter, and so forth for some of the stuff that she's drawn and some of the process behind a lot of it as well. Mm-hmm. Digital sales this week uh, are limited to, but including holdovers from the last couple weeks of the DC Suicide Squad stuff, the Oni graphic novel sale, and the Valiant mega sale. Uh, also added a list aforementioned Colin Bunn, a bunch of his Dark Horse stuff is on sale. He's got a big release from them coming out this month. Uh, Marvel also having sales on Black Panther and What If stuff. Mm. And uh, Dynamite is having a creator-owned sale as well. Uh, like I said, all the links to everything I just mentioned there, those digital sales, uh, our friends, soon-to-be-named network, all of that is in the show notes of every single one of these episodes. Yes. Now, uh, we're going to get into what we read from this past week, which again isn't a ton, but that's quite all right, because Todd is going to kick things off uh, with Fantastic Four number 34, the conclusion of The Bride of Doom. Yes, the sacred vow of Victor Von Doom, uh, written by Dan Slott, art by R.B. Silva. Um, <clears throat> basically, <clears throat> during their trip, I like the idea that Doom invites the Fantastic Four to... Uh, to Latveria for the wedding. The wedding's really a sham kind of wedding because he needs somebody to um, to take his place while he's going off somewhere. I think they're explaining that he's going off to Guardians of the Galaxy. They don't say it exactly, but his thing was like, I need someone to uh, rule in my absence, and this legitimizes uh, legitimizes you. So I kind of like that. And in it, inviting the Fantastic Four, he's trying to do <clears throat> put on a new. Uh, front to the world and w- and one thing I like in the story is uh, that the Latvian culture is like if you come to a, a wedding that if you invite someone to a wedding all transgressions are forgiven so he's like you come to my to my wedding and I forgive you Reed for what you did to my face even though you know he didn't really do it but in Doom's mind and like the other Fantastic Four is like oh we've all kind of ticked him off too and they invite Black Panther and they invite Namor, who's gone to, like, their countries have gone to war with Latveria. They're like, oh, this is all a great idea. And they go, and along the way, um, Victory ends up, his his herald, announces during the wedding that he slept, that she slept with Johnny Storm, and all heck breaks loose. And in the end, um, Doom unleashes something, and he's like, all right, I I could spin all this through it being... Uh, uh, broadcast to the world that terrorists came and the wedding didn't happen. It was all a sham to weed people out because he knew they would attack. And but in the end, he he curses with science, not an actual magic thing. Something <laughs> on Johnny Storm, and then looks at Victory and says, "Like you, I never want to see your face again." And the oh. way she gets around that is really cool. And I like the way it's left that like Doom was like, "I was already." to change and do this. And, and now like Johnny screwed this up, like put him on my list and where we go from here. I don't know, but I, I just, it was a, a fun thing and more doom means we're, you know, doom in the, uh, in movies. So I really enjoyed this storyline. So I have a couple questions for you as someone who read the first issue of this, but obviously I'm not a regular reader of this iteration of fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, did you really think doom was going to change Todd? Yes, this was the time. This was the time, Joe. 
I believe in Doom, our lord, our 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 ruler. You know what I mean? I, I give in, man. He's my man. So uh, obviously, he never wants to see Vi- uh, Victorious's face. Mm-hmm. I was uh, saying Victor, I, yes. I assume that she just has like some sort of like face plate or something on, yep. so he can't see her physical face. That's just me guessing, not having read things. She puts a mask on, yes. Right, and then he puts the Kavorka on Johnny Storm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, also along the time that this was being advertised, they were also either advertising or publicly talking about like something was going to change the Fantastic Four, uh, a member of the Fantastic Four for the first time in sixty years, and it's going to be a permanent change or blah blah blah. blah you know, right? Permanent in comics, but go ahead. Right, permanent in comics. Right. Uh, so is this is do you think them talking about that was whatever they did to Johnny here? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know what it is, or? Uh, you know what? I'll put a little spoiler gimmick in here. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me, what did Doctor Doom's Kavorka do to Johnny Storm? His machine made it so he's kind of like the thing now. He could never turn off his fire. <gasps> Ooh, that's actually pretty interesting. It, you know what? That was the 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 gimmick that I really like because now I'm very interested in where it goes. If, like, the roles reverse and, like, now Thing has to play practical jokes on uh, Johnny to take his mind off of what has happened the way he did it. Like, that was the explanation. It's like, why do you always give, you know, uh, uh, Ben such a gentle ribbing? He's like, because he gets him to blow off steam. He breaks some stuff. Reed gets to fix it. Everybody's happy. And, you know, it takes his mind off. And I always really love that idea. And to, to flop it, I'm like... To 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 make it so Johnny can't shut off his powers, I'm like I real I think that is a strong new FF idea. Now, can Ben turn off his? I don't think so. Right? Once, I think it's once a year. Remember, it was during their honeymoon. He was. Able oh, that's to right. Because it was the Hulk. There was the Immortal Hulk crossover thing. Right. 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 And then Hulk uh, was fighting Thing, and he had the timer on his arm. It's like you're going to turn back to Ben, and he's like, I've got to stop the Hulk before I reach zero. He stops the Hulk, but then the Hulk basically knocked him out and he lost that whole day of his uh, honeymoon because he was out cold. And I was like, that's another really like new, interesting, like Dan Slott isn't great on this book, but when he hits like the crescendo on spots, I really like it. So um, my thought is uh, Ben is going to attempt to pull the rib on Johnny. Right. Or people are going to encourage him to do so as like revenge for all the time that Johnny did it to him. Mm-hmm. And then Ben is going to be like, oh, I can't, you know, like I know how bad it makes me feel. I know Johnny thinks this is the reason, like he's doing it for the me- reasons you mentioned, but it kind of really hurts a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do it. I'm going to try to help Johnny kind of cope with this. Right. And that's going to like doubly make Johnny feel like a big jerk. Yeah, uh, that's a good, that's a good way to go too. And Dr. Doom laughs the whole time. That's all. I just like saying Dr. Doom more more times. Of course. <laughs> now, the other book that we both read from this past week uh, was Superman, Son of Kal-El, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by uh, Tom Taylor with art by John Timms. Uh, this is the story of the birth of Jonathan Kent. Right. 
and w- how like the Justice League, uh, you know, members of the Justice League were around for it. Superman was trying to do his usual Superman things. They kept telling him, like, Superman said, well, it's a planetary invasion. He goes, no, it's an attempted invasion. We're taking care of it, which I thought was, like, a good bit of humor uh, in there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then we get the bit of, you know, John, and again, John, John Kent, right? I'm with you. Doing his, uh, he, he goes to save that person who, you know, in conjunction with what we just talked about, uh, you know, similar to a member of the Fantastic Four, uh, you know, a person who is like un- uncontrollable fire powers. And, you know, Jonathan Kent comes in, diffuses the situation, speaks to the person, gets them to calm down, only for like the military people that are there to just like gun butt the person mm-hmm. and take them away. Uh, Jonathan Kent laments that like, this is what my life is going to be. How has my dad been able to do this? So he goes, talks to his only friend that he has, which is Damien. And I guess, was this established in that Super Sons book you were reading? That they're friends? Well, okay. So yes, that they're friends, one. Uh, but two, weren't they of similar age? Yes. Um, basically, what had happened is during the Brian Michael Bendis run of... Remember when he was writing Action and Superman at the same time? Yes. Uh, Jor-El came, showed up, he was still alive and he ended up was like, oh, I'm going to take your son across, you know, the universe to like show him the, the world out there. And they let him go. And, uh, he got sucked through a wormhole or a black, it doesn't really matter. Science, you know, comic book science. And he was gone until he came back as a teenager. Um, and that was one of the things that a lot of people got mad at Brian Michael Bendis for because it was like no 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 like you had Damien and John as friends they were the same age they went to school together it was like this new dynamic that was fantastic and you came along and changed it just to do your legion thing he wanted to put him in the legion as an older member like the other members of the legion it was just it didn't work um and i thought like Tom Taylor got it to work even though John is older now then Damien, he's still naive, so they kind of have the, the same, like, I don't know how to explain it. To me, they they feel the same in attitude because Damien, Damien thinks older and uh, Jonathan thinks younger, if that makes any sense. For sure. So right. um, Jonathan goes to Damien and essentially, like, there's got to be a better way. Mm-hmm. And Damien's like, yeah, there is. You know, like, do what I do. And Jonathan's like, well, I can't do that. But next issue is going to be, like, new costume, new identity, new everything else like that. Mm-hmm. And I, as I read the solicitation text in here, they're taking for granted that you know a lot of that stuff that you just mentioned. Yep. But the book itself, I think, does a very good job of giving you, like, the bare-bone facts of what you need to read this book. I agree. And I think right out of the gate, the whole birthing thing uh, puts John... Like over, like right out of the gate. It's like, because first of all, you get all these superheroes who have so much respect for Superman and Lois Lane. Um, Like that, like immediately, like you're like, yes, okay. They have how people should see Superman the right way. And then when you have like 
Batman and Wonder Woman, like this kid's going to be okay because it has like this from Superman. It has that from Lois, the two bravest people on the planet. I'm like, they did everything they could to make us go like, yeah, we should love Jonathan Kent. And then John goes out and does the thing. And it's like, ah, maybe I should be more proactive. I'm like, doesn't matter. This first issue made me, I already loved John. It made me love him more. And I think it will make new readers love that character. And boy, oh boy, like when this is over, give me a Tom Taylor actual Superman book because he understands Clark, man. Well, you know, we talked before out of the the run on Wonder Twins that we want a, uh, what is it, a Mark Russell uh, Superman book, you know? All right. Well, there's action and Superman. One on oh, each. that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing that I have to ask about is... Right. And again, maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm forgetting because I did read this as soon as I came home because I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, OK, so I'm not imagining things. OK, because in the solicitation off of DC's website about this issue. OK, right. It says uh, also in tale, Tales of Metropolis continues. Jimmy Olsen gathers his misfit heroes, including Ambush Bug and Gangbuster, to find out who the projectress really is and why she set his her sights on Bibbo. That's not in here, Joe. Did I miss this, Todd? Did, no. did I get a copy that didn't have this second feature <laughs> featuring well, Ambush Bug? No, it didn't. And there was only 22 pages of action, like it says on the cover. I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I'm like... I, I sometimes I'm like a little like, you know, sometimes uh, my reading comprehension could be suspect. But as I'm reading the solicitation, like it's a whole other story that's in the thing on DC's website that's just not in the book. I feel like that that was a, that feels like something out of Steve Lieber's uh, Jimmy Olsen book that they may have screwed up and put the solicit <laughs> mixed. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm just I'm more confused than usual is all I'm saying. Well, see, I wasn't confused at all until you brought it up. Yeah. So uh, I don't know now. Maybe I, I feel to, like I, I got to share the... my confusion with you, Todd. Okay. Um, I feel like I got a defective uh, Superman Kal-El. You know what I mean? Okay. So son of Kal-El. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to take it back to the shop and see what happened. Yep. So uh, that's what we read this past week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, uh, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that come out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them shipped to your home, or you're waiting on another year plus for that last trade of John Constantine Hellblazer to come out. Be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am currently in the lead with two correct guesses over Todd. So uh, have at it. I'm looking over your list. This is a big week, Joe. Um, I mean, like heavy hitter creators. But I'm going to go with hopefully the layup and say uh, Immortal Hulk 49, the penultimate issue of, uh, of the run on Immortal Hulk. Can't go wrong with Immortal Hulk unless Saga stealthily comes out this week. Well, just keep watching your YouTube pages, Joe. Mm-hmm. Now, your list, on the other hand, is a little bit more 
uh, there's like at least five different choices that it could be. Mm-hmm. Who is the creative team on Suicide Squad Get Jocker? Um, uh, who wrote, and I know it, and my brain is freezing up, wrote uh, the uh, Batman Damned. Is that the Brian thing? Azzarello? Yes, yes. I'm sorry. I couldn't think of the name. Um, he's he's writing it. Okay. I know it's Suicide Squad week with the Suicide Squad movie coming out this week. I got time to play. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to guess the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Nice House in the Lake number three. It is not. <gasps> oh, my goodness. It is actually, and this is a big week. Could have been any of those. Those are two. Right, I had like six different choices. It, exactly. And one of them is if Skybound X had a bigger uh, Trigger Keaton story, that would be it. But gotcha. it, it comes down to this. I have a feeling big things are going to happen at the book you picked at the end. And then we're going right into the to the final issue. I have a feeling whatever cliffhanger we're getting, don't know what it is. It, I'm, I'm all in on this point. Want to take it home here. Oh, so you're going to Mortal Hulk 49 as well? Yes, I have a feeling that this is going to be really good and be like, <gasps> what's in the last issue? Uh-huh. And I think, don't we have to wait two months for the last issue? I don't know what, I don't know on that. But I, I'm almost certain, and I do have my handy dandy list here. Right. But yeah, this is I was gonna say, if, you, if you ever want to take a peek in the mat into the madness, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh I could send you the Google Docs version of my uh my pull list. Right. And in there too is not all robots number one, which was a strong contender too. Yep, the the new Mark Russell book. That's from uh AWA Studios, right? Yes, I believe that is Mike Diodato on art too. Yep. So that's gonna be really cool. Nothing to do with the uh, Vern Gagne in that book, but still give it a chance. Uh, Yeah, so uh, issue 49 of Immortal Hulk comes out this week. Issue 50 is currently solicited for October 13th. Oh, my God. That'll be a great birthday present for my son. (laughs) Right. Well, at least we'll have Gamma Flight to hold us over until we get there. Um, But I have a feeling with, you know, an extra long show next week, we may be talking about several books next week. Well, hopefully no news happens, so it'll be a collapsible sag on the news. I'm just going to say, please, the Rob, don't say anything stupid. Are the Olympics still going on? Uh, I think they're, I think they're almost over, and I think basketball is done, so I don't know. Oh, boy. Somebody dangle some keys out on the West Coast. <laughs> By keys, do you mean Spectrox? Well, you know, it's a measure, that's a, isn't that a measurement of Spectrox? Yes, one key. <laughs> yes. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together, uh, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. And of course, Todd and Joe have issues talking about Jonah Hex and the Spider Clone Saga. Uh, Todd, let's kick it, boys. Right, which do we want to start with? Well, uh... You know, you started the show, so I say uh, you start with uh, the Spider-Clone saga. Okay. Um, Since we last left, Ben is being beaten up by uh, the uh, leftover remains of Spider-Clones. The goo, if you will. Spider-Clone goo. Um, He's doing his best. 
Jackal leaves through a portal. Spiderside uh, chases him. Um, ben manages to, you know, get the best of the goo, if you will. Um, and he also uh, figures out the plan with the Jackal that the Jackal is going to take uh, one of his, what, that, that virus, the carrion virus, uh, to the Daily Planet. So he's going to stop that. Um, we cut to Mary Jane, the, the clone of Gwen Stacy, and clone Peter Parker. Um, and they're just, like, discussing, like, oh, we we have to go back to, to Jackal. She, uh, Gwen's like, she doesn't understand. She's not a clone. And is like, no, like, you have me. He's like, I don't deserve the baby. Um, she's like, Peter, wait. Peter's not here. That's right. Uh, at least it's not the spider, but it's the clone. So they swing off to find uh, the jackal. Um, at this point, uh, the jackal has put clone pods up in all the news like places because that way he could clone the reporters and then they'll be like, hey, everything's okay. Nobody's dying from carrying virus. Um, just keep going on about your day. And it's at this point that I realized that he explains a little bit about his plan, about how he's going to kill off every- how inconceivable his plan really is like how stupid it is i'm going to kill off all the people and get their genetic makeup and clone a copy of everyone and have a world of clones and then rule that and i'm kind of like that seems like an unnecessary step just try to rule rule the world i guess i don't know it's 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 really crazy. So like, and he's got all his little jackal, like uh, little clones, which I think are clones of Peter. Um, and then Joe Scryer shows up at the daily bugle and he's like, uh, stop what you're doing. And like, Jackal's like, Hey, after you help me get it started, you want me to stop? Is this your idea? Or that clown traveler is like, that's none of your concern. Um, He's like, but Jack is like, hey, I'm ready for you with my gun that I just pulled out of my jacket. That's like 17 times uh, bigger than my chest, which this gun annoys me through this whole issue, Joe. Whole issue. (laughs) It just, it gets so ridiculous. Um, So then Spider-Side shows up. Well, first of all, Scryer uses his, uh, you know, very defined powers to make the gun disappear. Then Spider-Side shows up because he's working for Scryer and gets in a fight. Peter and Gwen end up finding the lab and pretty much figure out what's going on. And they head off to the bugle. Um, uh, Ben shows up, tries to tell Jonah to evacuate. Doesn't work. It works as well as you think it would. Um, Now the fight busts in. So now it's uh, Jackal, uh, Spider-Side, and Ben going at it. Um, then there's a news report that MJ is watching where this, you know, female reporter is just like, Hey, this is going on at the bugle, blah, blah, blah. And she's like an our on the spot reporter, Cindy Don. And she starts describing the fight and she's like, Hey, this fight is Scarlet Spiders, battling a huge creature, gaping hole in the side of the bugle building. And Scarlet seems to be having trouble. It looks like he might be out of webbing. We'll let you know more as it occurs. Like, because, you know, reporters just know about, you know, that they have webbing and they're out of it. Like, that's like the dumbest thing. So MJ needs a reason to go to the Bueller. And she's like, I'll bring uh, more webbing to them. And uh, this will help. I'll be able to contribute for a change. I'm like, 
this is just the dumbest thing ever. So, like, the fight just, just keeps going on. At one point, Jackal calls uh, Spider-Side Cider Boy, which I think is a better name than, uh, you know, that. Peter and Gwen show up, the clone of Gwen, and Gwen wants to kill uh, uh, Jackal. So she ends up through a series of events. That gun ends up showing up again, puts a hole in the building. They even say, oh, you melted a hole in the building with your gun that he just happens to have again. Um, he drops it through the fight, and Gwen picks it up. Um, and she's like, oh, I'm going to kill him with this gun that I just happened to. Like, she explains, like, this is how I found the gun. This is what I'm going to do with the gun. Let me explain every little nuance of what I'm doing. So I'm, like, pulling my hair out at this point. They end up webbing up Jackal. I think Spider-Side falls off the building or something. I don't even know. But now the bomb's there with the with the carrying virus. They end up disarming it. Um, the only cool part I like about this is Ben and Peter use their uh, their spider sense to know what wires to pull. It's like, hey, if I, I pull this, my spider sense goes crazy. And the, I was like, that's in all this garbage, that's a good idea. Um, they end up disarming it. Jackal breaks loose, um, almost you know, Gwen almost falls off the building, but instead uh, Jackal does, and he falls to his death saying, um, what does he say? Because it haunts Peter. Um, he's like, uh, I did it for you, Gwen, all for you. So when the dream ends, the nightmare begins. No, the nightmare began with the first issue of the Clone Saga. Oh. So uh, they end up, you know, they're like, oh, we saved the day, but then the bomb's going to go off again because there was another explosion in it so ben takes it to the riverfront throws it in um saves them comes back uh i love that the cleanup team shows up and he's like hey everybody let's just talk uh spider sides in the stasis chamber until we figured out uh what he is and whether he's a threat anymore he looks pretty dead but with this kind of stuff you never know i'm like oh that's fantastic and what about the j jackal oh he's very dead no doubt about that one. Joe, I have many doubts about that one. So we'll see. Uh, ben slips off and Peter goes, well, I have to go talk to Ben. Uh, go see Ben at his place. And he's like, listen, everything that's going on, I think you should be, get the mantle of the costume and the name Spider-Man. It's all yours. And then Ben goes, no, 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 that's too easy an answer. And we can't end this storyline right here. We have to milk it. So I don't know what the answer is, but I knew we I know we need to talk about this some more, probably for 14 more weeks. And then there has to be a Spider-Man out there, but I'm just not sure which one it is. And who will be Spider-Man? Find out who stays in, who goes next week in Web uh, 128. I feel like... We don't find out. Um, but either way, garbage all around. Terrible end to a terrible storyline of Maximum Clone. Okay. Now, Todd, I could just very easily say that this issue was a mess. Okay? Mm -hmm. I could say in some of the other issues they certainly tried. But right. how can I point out to you that this was a, a mess? Did you look at the masthead on this to see the creative team on this book? No, I did not. I did not want to know who to blame. Okay. So there were four pencilers, mm -hmm. there were five inkers, and the story credit goes to Tom Lyle, 
who's also one of the pencilers. Tom Lyle, who co-plotted some books with uh, uh, Mark Wade back in the early 90s at DC, and nothing else. This oh Nothing in this feels more like a book done not only by committee, but by force against the creator's will than this. Right. If I was to point out the thing that I hated the most about this issue was we get the third issue in a row where we get the surprise reveal that Spider-Side is now working for Scryer. What? I was shocked every time, Joe. <laughs> Again, we said this many times when we talk about these books, that they're supposed to have an office, an inter-office thing, that all the Spider-Books are handled by the same editor, so stuff like this doesn't happen. And then it happens three issues in a row. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I don't want to berate Tom Lyle, but I will. That bit with MJ needing a reason to go to the Daily Bugle, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. It's Ugh. something that may have worked in, like, a pre-1988 comic book, maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, But it would be tenuous at best that we would kind of like, oh, that's just the way that comics were back then. Uh, but I don't know. This is a contemporary book. It's, you know, less than 30 years old. So, um, so Joe, it is the end of the Jackal, right? Gone forever. Is it the end of the Jackal? It's definitely the end of spider side. What? Hmm. But they said he wasn't dead, but you can never be too sure. But Jackal is definitely dead. So if I go by Tom Lyle's, you know, expert writing, then I have to believe that there's a chance Spider-Side might come back. But Jackal never will. I fear as though the Jackal does come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's quite some time from now. Okay. And there was some other stuff I missed in there, but it was stupid, and I didn't need to talk about it. Yeah, he, um, so, uh, during the Grim Hunt storyline, with, during Dan Slott's run, like, years from now. Right. Um, is when the Jackal comes back, so... He oh, does what? he does stay away. Uh it was nineteen ninety something. Right. What do you just he, have a He stays away he stays away at least until two thousand eleven. So that's that's pretty dead by comic book character standards. It is. What do you just have, like spider villains, you know, at your fingertips or something, Joe? I've been doing a lot of research on the best villain the best uh, the second best rogues gallery of all time, Todd, okay? We're not talking about Batman. No, thankfully not. We're going to be talking about Jonah Hex now. But yeah, this was a mess. Jonah uh, Hex? No, no. Spider-Man issue was a mess. Okay. Um, so uh, Jonah Hex, number 39, written by Jimmy Pamiotti and Justin Gray, with art by uh, Rafe Gonzaga. Right. Uh, so I don't like his color palette, but I get it. Uh, I didn't mind it so much in the previous issue, but this one, it kind of blends a little bit more with some of the more outdoorsy scenes, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, obviously these are much easier, much, uh, quicker to surmise issues than the spider clone nonsense. 
Uh, Jonah is in a bar in Blackburn, Kansas, the day before Prohibition is about to roll through. Uh, The Puritan folks that have rolled into town have kind of pressured the sheriff into making such a decision. Um, Then they wake up in the morning to find that the sheriff and his family, uh, who were out camping the night before, uh, were happened upon by a group of folks who broke out of a prison up in Durango. And the only person in the group's name that we get is Leo. Right. Leo, Leo, the guy who broke out of jail. Usually a lot of times in a Jonah book, we'll get like a first and last name of someone like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so the wet there, uh, the sheriff's wagon train comes into town with him, the sheriff, the wife, the kid dead inside the word of the prison break comes through. There was, I guess, a telegram on the sheriff's desk that he didn't check before he left. So he was unaware of it. The deputy is like, uh, the, the townsfolk are like, well, we got to round up a posse and go get him. And the deputy's kind of uh, sheepish about it. Uh, the, t- the title of this issue is Cowardice. And uh, I think that it devolves into what the deputy is up to. And Joan essentially says like, yeah, yeah, you don't need a posse. You just need me. Let's go. Let's take these guys down. And of course, like any law person involving Jonah Hex is like, I don't like the cut of your jib, Mr. Bounty Hunter with half a face. And uh, Joan is like, listen, if you take a bunch more people up there, all that's going to come back is more dead bodies. I'm sure there's a bounty on these people. I'm a bounty hunter. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So as the uh, the people led by Leo who broke out of jail... Uh, they come upon uh, Millwood's farm or whatever it is, and they attempt to steal some of the horses and get some of the horses reshoed. And Millwood is like, I don't know, your your horses have seen better days. Uh, you know, they're probably going to collapse once they're off, once they're off my property, but then they're no longer my problem once they're off my property. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So of course, that's the like in between where the sheriff was camping and the town. Of Blackburn is Millwood's place is like the nearest whatever so they see Jonah and the deputy coming up the way Leo and his group go inside to hide uh and of course Jonah says like I know they're here because of the reasons that I just mentioned um and Jonah's like this and this is gonna end with a bunch of people dying you know what I mean so we gotta be ready uh they call for Mr. Millwood to come out of the house uh, he doesn't. Uh, Leo has him kind of as a human shield. Of course, Jonah takes care of everyone in the Jonah way. These guys were not ready for Jonah Hex, which is typically the way that things are uh, handled in books like this. The deputy gives Jonah a bunch of grief that he could have killed uh, Mr. Millwood. Jonah essentially talks this the deputy down, uh, and the deputy admits that he never wanted to be the deputy. Uh the sheriff just kind of made him one when he assisted him with some rustlers like the year or two before. Uh, and Jonah essentially bullies the deputy into one, becoming the new sheriff, and two, repealing the prohibition laws that were about to go through. Right. The end. Yep. And I uh, do like the fact that right at the end, he's like, okay, I've talked to you like this, this deputy's kind of getting a pair and in walks like a bunch of troublemakers into the into the to the saloon now that you know prohibition's been repealed and he actually does like you know stand up and 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 Jonah's like 
maybe this is the beginning of something. I do, uh, you know, fun issue. I liked it. Not I the best we, issue, but definitely not the worst. Right. I hope we revisit this uh, now sheriff, uh, Gardner. Mm-hmm. And I hope we get a chance to revisit with the uh, local town drunk and uh, Holly, who runs the uh, saloon that was about to be shut down. Yes. I love I like I, I like them as Jonah like side characters, if you will. I love a good saloon gal, Joe. For sure. Uh, so next week, not only do we have two issues of Spider-Man to talk about, we also have two issues of Jonah Hex to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Todd grouped these two books together, they must be uh, together for a reason, you know? Uh, it's actually a two-parter. And that's exactly what I was alluding to. So it's Jonah Hex issues 40 and 41, uh, as well as Web of Spider-Man 128 and Amazing Spider-Man 405. And fingers crossed that it's a J.M. DeMatty's penned issue. So at least it'll try to make some sense of this gobbledygook. Right. So now that I think about it, we'll be covering five new books that we read. Yes. Four uh, uh, books for have issues. We're going to have a TV show and a movie. Short show next week, Joe. Two TV shows. Oh, that's right. Two TV shows. Two TV shows. Um, no, no, we, we do, uh, we do miss our stay of execution because, because Stargirl airs on Tuesdays. So it airs as we're recording. Oh, then that works out nicely, Joe. Yes. That gives us some breeding room. Yes. Uh, so, uh, while you're again over at longboxheroes.com, uh, you can help us out in, uh, many and sundry ways. You can check out our store link there. Uh, where you can purchase shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. I got them sitting right here in the office. They're ready to be shipped to you. Uh, if you want stuff with our fancy logo on it on more stuff, uh, sent from cell phone covers to notebooks to tapestries, whether it be stuff inspired by this show, stuff inspired by uh, Long Box Heroes After Dark, Add-Ons with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place. Uh, you can check those out at our T Public store, tinyurl.com slash Heroes. 35% sale is on as we speak until the 8th of the month. Uh, you could also sign up for our Patreon. It's $5 a month is going to get you those two bonus shows. You don't have to sign up for it, but if you enjoy this show and you want more of what Todd and I do, 5 bucks a month gets you double the amount of Todd and Joe goodness. Six never seen episodes, uh, six never seen movies. Todd assigns me six movies I've never seen. I assign Todd six movies. He's never seen. We're hot off the heels of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Next up on the list is Megaforce, which is Todd's selection. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, previewing the past, where we look at this month, 30 years ago's previous catalog. We will be recording August 1991 this week. And also, that five bucks gets you after dark, like three days before everyone else. So you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Yes. Another way that you can help us out as well is by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through. Top of the page, longboxheroes.com does not cost you anything extra. Uh, Gives us a little bit of a kickback. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Uh, Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include the Ninja Blender food processor gimmick. Um, you know, it looks like it's a smaller version of the giant pitcher that I got, and it's got a whole bunch of extra attachments. 
of a bowl and a processor bowl and all this other stuff. Todd, have you ever uh, dealt with one of these ninja blenders? I have not. The blade inside is absolutely a blade. It'll cut you when you're cleaning it and you won't even feel it. Oof. I have an old timey blender that people <laughs> want that people want to buy off me because it's the old type that you know that has the plastic top that you put in the and it's almost like a pitcher and then when you take it off it's like eight adamantium blades <laughs> that spin in there. So I love a good blender. It will eat ice, Joe. Okay. Because that's what these ninja things do. Uh, a lot of, I haven't had luck with a lot of the old-timey ones, but I'm glad you got an old-timey one that works well. Yes, well, I only bought the best, Joe. Somebody also purchased the AMJ Sling Bag Shoulder Backpack, uh, which has like a USB gimmick for charging and whatnot. Ooh. Uh, somebody also purchased the Lego Marvel Infinity Gauntlet uh thanos's right hand gauntlet model which is like pretty cool it looks like it's pretty big you know that like you could have like a little show piece of a lego uh version of the infinity gauntlet yeah except the fact that they have a uh, lego infinity stones when they should have lego infinity gems uh somebody purchased a transforming robot rc car for kids in the color red Ooh. and uh todd i think this is the first sign of this Somebody somebody purchased a two-pack of 15-ounce cans of Libby's brand Pure Pumpkin Filling. Oh, the only thing that that should be filling is holes, Joe. <laughs> well, maybe that's what they did. Maybe they have a wall that needs to be repaired. Oh, I have a mine subsidence in my backyard. Go get me the pumpkin filling. Now, I will say this. Well, I do thank you and everyone who's made any sort of purchase uh, through the Amazon click through, signed up for the Patreon, bought a shirt directly from me or through the Deep Public, what have you. Uh, but I feel as though someone purchasing pumpkin filling through our Amazon click through is a direct attack on you, Todd. It is. I believe it's a threat on my life, Joe. So when we get the money, I'll take that percentage of the advertising fee out of let's what I pay not, you. Let's not be hasty, Joe. <laughs> Let's not be hasty. Listen, if you want to fill your pool with pumpkin filling, use our click-through. I'm fine with that. Just Joe's not going to mention it to me on the show. Where I don't mind where the dirty money comes from as long as I don't know how the sausage is made, Joe. Oh, there or you the go. pumpkin is made. But again, like I said, thank you, everyone, for all of the uh, purchases, of course. Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Did not have an art attack. See, after dark, we almost had one, uh, but uh, we I didn't go. So, yeah, there was nothing this week uh, for that. All right. So that's it. That's yep. the show. Nothing else, huh? Exactly. Was that a short show, Joe? That's a short show. Uh, I was almost going to make a joke and say that I forgot to record. And eh, now it's about the usual time, maybe like 10 minutes less. I know how to vamp to make it work, Joe. Mm hmm. So thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 566 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named Network. 
the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.